Church, today is a very important day in the life of our church. As we continue our series called Unhindered, Expanding the Reach of Jesus, we come to a very special Sunday, Baptism Sunday. Now, Jesus gave the church two mandates, two ordinances. One, as we look at scripture, is the ordinance of communion. And so we as a church, every first Sunday of the month, we come together around the Lord's table. And we do this regularly. He says, do this as often as you gather together, as often as you drink in my name. The second mandate he gives to the church, and it's very clearly laid out, when he said to us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that is why baptism is a regular and frequent part of our services here at E-Free Church. It's a regular part of the rhythm of our church calendar because it is a mandate. It is an ordinance that Jesus gave to his church to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So today, church, he may be stirring some of you and convicting you to be baptized. And it's OK if you didn't come prepared. It's OK if you don't have a change of clothes. We've got you covered. We've got all those things, a change of clothes, disposable shorts, towels. We have everything you need to be baptized. God may be asked, or God may be prompting you, and I want you to ask God, is this the day for me to be baptized? I want to take you back for a moment to February 11 of this year, a little over two months ago. On February 11th, we had our first baptism service of 2018. If you recall, in 2017, we baptized 41 individuals, 41 at our church. Yes, you can clap for that. In 2017, we had introduced a new element, spontaneous baptisms. And so of the 41, 18 were baptized on the spot, even though those 18 individuals didn't know that they were going to be baptized when they left home that morning. 18 of the 41 spontaneously. So let's go back to February 11th. It's our first baptism Sunday of this year. And for the first time ever, Nobody contacted the church office leading up to February 11th inquiring about baptism. Nobody. So we got the baptism tank ready. That morning, I was in my office before our services. I sat there at my desk, and I was praying to God. I said, God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but you're in control. So I relinquish any control to you. So 9 o'clock service started. I preached. I gave the invitation if anybody wanted to be baptized. And not long after I gave that invitation, a husband and wife stood up. Now, you have to understand, and I'm going to be very honest, I breathed a sigh of relief. <laughs> like, phew, thank you, God. At least somebody is going to be baptized. And so this husband and wife, Albert and Marcella Avalos, were baptized up here. They sat back down, 
get our final song. We're about to close. When I hear, wait, we have one more. Little Haley Kobayashi came up here, 11 years old. Now, you have to understand the backstory. That was her first Sunday back at church after many weeks and months recovering from heart surgery. So that was her first Sunday back, February 11th. So her parents didn't know that she was going to be baptized until she walked through the doors. And she came up here, stood there with her parents, and not a dry eye out there as we shared her story. Now, here's what's amazing. Albert and Marcella were baptized on the 11th. Haley was baptized on the 11th. Haley had come back from open heart surgery. That week after Albert was baptized, he went to the hospital with a heart attack. While in the hospital, he suffered a stroke. And I don't know what God was doing there. So Haley is recovering from heart surgery. She gets baptized. Albert and Marcella get baptized. He has a heart attack. And so we visited him. He regained strength. And he kept regaining strength. And he was here this morning at our morning service. And he looks stronger and stronger. And God's been with him. And so that morning at 9 o'clock, after we baptized those three individuals, I said, God, if no one else steps forward at the 1045 service, I'm cool. I'm good, because you've already worked a miracle. That's good. That's good enough for me. So 9, nine o'clock service came and went. 1045 service started. I preached. I gave the invitation. Nobody, nobody stood up. Nobody stood up. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm good, Lord. It's OK. And so we sang our final song and give the closing blessing. Service is over. OK, service is over. Everyone's standing. I'm getting ready to say, get out of here. <laughs> when I hear, wait, we have two. I said, sorry, it's over. They can't be baptized. <laughs> no, no, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I said, everybody, please have a seat. So we baptized Stephen Neal and Pete Larp the V-Sarp. And the joy that was on stage that morning, just pure, sheer joy of celebration. Anything can happen on Baptism Sunday. Anything can happen on Baptism Sunday. This morning, in our previous service, no one was scheduled to be baptized. We gave the invitation, and I didn't know what was going to happen. But a few minutes later, Ryan Shen goes to the back and tells Luke, I want to be baptized. Ryan comes up here, shares with us on the spot his story, and we baptize him. We're done. Time to go sing our offering song, and get out of here. We're done. Luke says, wait a minute, Tim. There's one more. Crystal Lynn wants to be baptized. And so on the spot this morning, just a few minutes ago, we baptized two more. Praise God for that.
I don't know what's going to happen in the next 45 minutes. I really don't. But God knows. God knows what's going to happen. No matter what, the opportunity is here. See? Here's water. (laughs) See? Here is water. And that's the title of this morning's message. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 8. And I'm going to start in verses 36 to 38. Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 8, verses 36 to 38. The word of God says this. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. The version that I just read is the English Standard Version, the ESV. I don't know if you caught this, but take a close look up here. There's no verse 37, is there? In the English Standard Version, if you're looking at your Bible, it goes from 36 to 38. For those of you reading the New International Version, the NIV, it may have the number 37, but it only has a footnote there, right? Hmm, interesting. Now, for those reading the New American Standard Bible, the NASB, or the New King James Version, when I was reading this passage, you were thinking to yourself, wait, Tim, you missed an entire section. What's going on? Well, what's going on is this. If you're reading from the NASB or the New King James, you'll notice very carefully your Bible has verse 37 in brackets. Whenever something is included in brackets in the English translation, what that means is that those words were not necessarily part of the original manuscript. So those words were inserted there later on. So in the New American Standard Bible or the New King James, Here is how verse 37 appears. Keep in mind, in brackets. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may, referring to being baptized. And he, the eunuch, answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, the reason why the ESV and the NIV don't include verse 37 is because verse 37 was not there in many of the earlier manuscripts. Now, when we say manuscripts, we're referring to copies. You see, because our English translation came to us from copies of the original manuscripts. So they are copies of copies. So you see, we don't have the original manuscript. What we do have, though, are highly accurate 
copies of the original. In fact, compared to other ancient works, the Word of God has so many more manuscripts. The New Testament has so many more manuscripts, thousands upon thousands. So you can rest assured that it's highly accurate. It is accurate. It is, it is the Word of God. Now, here's the thing. Over the course of time, as a copyist copies from one manuscript to another, that copyist may alter things in one of two ways. One, either inadvertently. Have you ever tried to like decipher someone's email address and you can't tell a zero from a no or a one from an L? So every now and then a copyist may inadvertently alter the previous manuscript. Also, every now and then the copyist may deliberately alter something, in this case, to kind of enhance or maybe to improve upon or to make something clearer. And that's the case here. You see, the earlier manuscripts don't include verse 37. And the reason why is this, because it's already assumed, it's already assumed that the Ethiopian eunuch heard the gospel, understood the gospel, received the gospel and wanted to be baptized. Now, I want you to understand, if you're reading from the ESV, NIV, NASB, the NKJV, you're good. You're good. You're all right. Okay. I want to take us back now to the previous verses to unfold what's going on here. And you will see why verse 37 is unnecessary, because it's already given in the previous passage. So start back up in Acts chapter 8. We'll start in verse 26. Acts 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, verse 32 says this. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about who? Jesus. So, verses 36 to 38, whether your Bible includes 37 or not, is made very clear by this previous passage. And by the way, in theological terms, when you have variations in translations, we call this a 
textual variance from manuscript to manuscript. That's just a big theological term. Go home and imp impress somebody. <laughs> textual variance happen from time to time, but take comfort. They're very rare. And in the vast majority of cases, they don't change the meaning of the text. Such is the case here in this passage. So I want you to picture this Ethiopian eunuch seated in his chariot. The Holy Spirit prompts Philip to go over to this man's chariot. And as Philip approaches, he hears the Ethiopian reading from scripture, and he's reading from Isaiah. And so Philip says to him, do you know what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I? How can I know unless somebody guides me? And thus begins this most incredible conversation that I want you to know has so much truth for us today, as you will see. So they're riding along in this man's chariot. Philip begins to share the gospel. And no doubt, he shares about baptism. Otherwise, how would the eunuch look at the stream of water and say, see, here's water. So no doubt, just like Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he preached to thousands. And he said, repent and what? Be baptized. And as a result, 3,000 were baptized. And so it's as if this Ethiopian eunuch, hearing the gospel and then hearing about baptism, says to Philip, let's make that 3,000 and one. Here is water. What is preventing me from being baptized. Church, if you've heard the gospel and if you've received the gospel, then today is not a moment too soon if you've not yet been baptized to be baptized. Today is not a moment too soon. God may be compelling some of you right this minute. As I just said a few minutes ago, there's so much going on in this passage, so many powerful statements about the gospel of Jesus Christ for us today in the 21st century. So many powerful statements. You see, God, through his spirit, prompts Philip. And he prompts him and prompts him. First of all, an angel of the Lord tells Philip to go from Jerusalem to Gaza. So with very little information, Philip just gets up and he goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. He goes with complete trust. You see, Philip had no idea what was around the corner. But he knew who would be there with him once he went around that bend. And isn't that what faith is all about? Isn't that what faith is all about? Not knowing what's around the corner, but knowing who will be there with you once you make that turn. Isn't that what trusting in God is all about? So God calls Philip to leave a thriving ministry in Samaria to go to a desert land, a wilderness in the Judean hills, from Jerusalem to Gaza. The Spirit of God prompts Philip to move from one place to another. And did you know that the book of Acts is all about movement? The movement of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit calls, you move. When the Holy Spirit calls, you act. 
Don't think too much about it. Don't think too much about it. When the Spirit calls, you just move. Well, let me assess this. Let me calculate this. Let me research this. When the Holy Spirit calls, you move. That's what the book of Acts is all about. So God's Spirit calls Philip to drop everything in a thriving ministry to move to a barren land. It's significant because the gospel was meant to be spread to every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. I didn't say that. Revelation 5 said that. The Word of God says the gospel was meant for every people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So when you look at Revelation 5-9 and you compare it to Acts chapter 8, do you know what you see? You see an ethnically diverse body of Christ. Acts 8 is all about the ethnically diverse body of Christ. You see, from a geographical standpoint, Philip, he's going to the end of the earth. You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, when you've received the Holy Spirit, you'll be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem? And in all Judea and Samaria, where was Philip? He was in Samaria. Where did the Spirit tell him to go? To the end of the earth. You know why? Because in the first century, for the Romans and the Greeks, they viewed an Ethiopian as living literally at the southern edge of the earth. Literally. In the first century, a Roman or a Greek citizen would think about an Ethiopian and say, wow, they live way down at the southern edge of the earth. Talk about fulfilling a mission. So quickly after the birth of the church, God sends Philip to a foreign land, to someone it looks nothing like him. So on a cultural level, you have to understand, the Greeks and the Romans, they were fascinated with the Ethiopians because the Ethiopians looked nothing like the Greeks and the Romans, nothing like them. Have you ever gone to a foreign land? You get off the airplane, and the majority of people look nothing like you. You look nothing like them. And sometimes they're just fascinated with you. They just look at you and stare at you. Did you know that 18 years ago, our church sent a team on a short-term missions trip to the country of Korea? Now, this is well before my time here. 18 years ago, our church sent a missions team to the country of Korea. And I was talking to Linda McCubbin, and I got her permission to share this really cool story. Linda was part of that missions team. Some of you were here at our church 18 years ago. Many were not. So Linda and her other teammates 
They arrived in Korea. Now, 18 years ago, in Korea, it wasn't as common to see people of different cultures and backgrounds there. It's a very homogenous nation. So when Linda and her team met the people there in that community, Linda said they, wouldn't, they couldn't stop staring at Linda or the teammates. You see, because for them, it was not every day that they saw a lady with blonde hair and blue eyes. And other members of the team were from other backgrounds. And Linda shares a story that a few people even uh, reached out to touch her to see, are you real? <laughs> they were fascinated. Much like the Greeks and Romans in the first century were fascinated with these Ethiopians. Now, this Ethiopian man was very powerful. He was the chief treasurer of a very wealthy nation. He had traveled to Jerusalem for a feast, and he was returning home. When the Spirit of God called Philip to be bold and go approach him. And we cannot miss the significance of this boldness of Philip. You see, he's approaching a chariot owned by a wealthy Ethiopian who looked nothing like him, whose culture was nothing like his. The gospel has the power to overcome any perceived barrier. Can I hear an amen? amen. The gospel has the power to overcome any perceived obstacle or barrier. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, Luke, the author of the gospel of Luke, Luke, the very meticulous and precise physician, goes out of his way in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts to share with us that the gospel transcends any difference, any barrier. That is why in Luke 18, verse 16, it tells us here, Jesus called them to him, saying, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. So Luke makes it a point to share with us that age was never a hindrance to the gospel. And it should never be a hindrance to the gospel. And then Luke makes it a point in chapter 11, verse 52 to say that the gospel will never, never back down to religious tradition. Look here, it says this. Woe to you lawyers, Jesus says. Woe to you lawyers, you Pharisees, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. Jesus says, religious tradition, get out of my way. I will not be overcome by man-made religious tradition. So the gospel will not be overcome by age or religious tradition. And in Acts 10.45, it says here, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. It's kind of like funny, even on the Gentiles. 
The gospel has a power to overcome race and ethnic origin. Powerful statements here about the gospel. I want you to listen to the words of one commentator. He says this, the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch graphically demonstrates the inclusiveness of the gospel. No apparent obstacle, whether physical defect. We're talking about a Ethiopian, what? Eunuch. Whether race or geographical remoteness can place a person beyond the saving call of the good news. The gospel has a power to overcome any obstacle, any barrier, any difference. God used Philip to share the gospel with someone who looked nothing like him and whose culture was nothing like his. Do we have generational differences here at our church? Yes, we do. Do we have cultural differences here at our church? Yes, we do. Do we have preferential differences here at our church? Yes, we do. Does the gospel have the power to overcome any of those differences? Yes, it does. And yes, it has. And yes, it will. I want you to understand how powerfully significant this passage is. Did you know that according to Deuteronomy chapter 23, a eunuch was ceremonially unclean and could not enter into the assembly of God. So when the eunuch was reading Isaiah 53, the good news was that Jesus, who was also crushed And because of Jesus, who would pay for our sins, gave us then the privilege to come into the assembly, no matter, no matter our background, our physical condition, our age, our culture, no matter. There's so much going on in this passage, church, so much. Acts chapter 8, I encourage you to go home and just read it and read it and read it because you will find so much truth about what's going on in our generation today. This Ethiopian eunuch, no wonder he said, see, here is water. For all those years, he was told, you cannot come into the assembly of God. You are tainted. You are unclean. Philip shares the gospel. The eunuch hears the gospel. He receives the gospel. He says, I'm waiting for nothing else. There is water. Why can't I be baptized? Why can't I be baptized? You see, he didn't wait. He didn't go, hmm, let me think about this now. He goes, I'm not quite ready yet. Let me wait a couple of years until I mature. Let me uh, call my family. 
Let me gather them together so that we can go out to lunch afterward. He said, Philip, stop. See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Church, don't think too much about this, all right? If you have heard the gospel and you've received the gospel and you've not yet been baptized, don't think too much about it. See, here's water. See, here's water. Don't think too much about it. What's holding you back? This is your church family, right? So we, we do the ordinances with the church family. That's why you don't take communion by yourself. You gather with your church family. The ordinance of baptism, we do as a church family. This is your family. See, here's water. What's preventing you? Salvation and baptism, they go hand in hand, like peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> like meat and potatoes, like Oreo cookies and milk. Man, I'm hungry. <laughs> Don't think too much about it. See, here is water. Water. 